All right, anybody got any idea what we're talking about today? Yes, that's right, Calvinism versus Arminianism. Um, <laughs> just kidding. So we are actually, um, a couple of uh, months ago, I don't know, I lose track of time now, we did a very first ever uh, in Tapestry, which was a parenting series. Uh, this is also a very first ever. Um, I have never uh, give, done a series uh, on uh, marriage and relationships uh, like this, um, partly because I have felt wholly unqualified <laughs> in my experience in one to be giving anyone else any kind of advice. But um, as a uh, disclaimer to throw out, and the exact same disclaimer I threw out before the parenting series, uh, these things that I am talking about um, are not because I've mastered them. <laughs> it's because I've learned some things over the years, and there's also some things that I'm still very aware uh, that I need to work on. And in fact, some of the things we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, uh, some of you who know Kate and I very well <laughs> will laugh and be like, you guys aren't getting this right yet, which I will fully admit uh, we aren't. But we always got to look towards the ideal, even when we're dealing with the real, right? <laughs> so here we go. Um, uh, when it comes to relationships, um, all of us, when we enter into a relationship, we are carrying a box with us. Now, not a, not a literal physical box. I mean, yes, sometimes that happens in the move-ins and whatnot, um, but we've got an imaginary box and it is filled with our hopes and our dreams and our desires for what we're getting ready to get ourselves into. And, and the further you get into relationships, right, the more defined uh, these things become. Uh, if, you're, if you're young or if you're back single again and you're not dating and it's just not a thing, like these aren't gonna be very defined, all your hopes and dreams, the way you think one to go, you know, you're just kind of living life and experiencing as it is. Um, but as you, as you start dating, hopefully those things are start to become more defined, a little more in focus. Um, by the time you get to the engaged level um, and you're engaged, hopefully you have uh, began to discuss uh, these things with each other. What are your hopes and dreams? Well, here's my hopes and dreams. Like hopefully it's that. Um, by the time you're married, you should definitely know what is in your spouse's box when it comes to their hopes, their dreams, and their desires. Some of you do, not all of you. <laughs> and that is where so many of us get into troubles. That's part of the problem. But we all, we all have hopes, we all have dreams, we all have desires. And it's with everything that has to do with your relationship. I mean, money, that's a big one. A lot of people got a lot of ideas about what they think money's gonna be like. Who controls it? Who earns it? How much of it there is? Like, there's a lot of varying ideas out there. Your professions, are both of us working or one of us working? How's that gonna go? Kids, yes kids, no kids. How many kids? Which types of kids? Like, if we don't get the type we want, do we just keep trying until one comes out? What do we, well, you know, what's the situation here? Lots to discuss there. You know, scheduling. Who runs the scheduling? How do we do the scheduling? Like, how much are we going to schedule? Uh, there, there's, there's what do we do with our free time? What kind of cars are we going to drive? How, holiday splits? Who's spending what time where on which holidays, right? I mean, you talk about something you need to get kind of upfront talked about. 
You know, it's like, and you know, it, it can't be one of those conversations where like, okay, 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 honey. Well, you know, how many holidays? There's what, seven, eight, 10 holidays a year? Well, I do, we'll, we'll just have three for my family. You can have all the rest. So we'll take, uh, we'll take uh, Christmas, Easter, and Thanksgiving, and then you guys can have all the rest at your family's house. Um, Flag Day, Memorial Day, we'll do those there. You know, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, you know, uh, uh, how about this one? The one, that, the, the big elephant in the room. Uh, everybody's got hopes, dreams, and desires when it comes to sex. How often? What's it going to be like? You know, what is your thought? You know, how, and those things don't always line up with each other. And if you go in without discussing those things, you got to work through that at some point, right? Conflict resolution. How are we going to fight? How are we going to resolve conflicts? Some of you might be like, well, I thought that's what the sex thing was all about. Yeah, no, okay. But you got to figure that stuff out. Vacations, how we treat each other, what is acceptable. What, there's just so much. So much desires, right? So many dreams, so many uh, uh, hopes going into a relationship, right? And there are several things that impact what those hopes, dreams, and and desires are. Uh, One of those things is what you have seen modeled and what you've heard growing up, right? What your parents' relationship looked like what friends' relationships look like, things you may have read, books you may have read. If you're, if you're a book reader, you know, you got, I got to read everything. And so, you know, you got that. Um, uh, TV, movies, uh, stuff you've heard preachers say. Unfortunately, I think some of that stuff gets to be a little way too, uh, gets way too much weight when it comes to figuring some of these things out. But most of our hopes and dreams and desires when we're getting into relationships are based on our experiences growing up. And what we're trying to do, most of us, is either not repeat something, avoid being like something that we grew up around and saw and uh, experienced, or trying to repeat something good, trying to recreate something good that we saw. Theirs is the relationship I want. And so I'm gonna try and to create that, right? But even in those situations where we're trying to recreate something, uh, in the middle of it all is me. In the middle of it all for you is you. Because after all, when we're talking about things, these are my hopes, my dreams, my desires. And at some point in the relationship, here's what we do. We take that we take that invisible box of hopes, dreams, and desires and we hand it to our partner or our spouse <laughs> and we say, here, make these things come true. Make them come true. It's up to you. And especially, especially in the way that the focus <laughs> and kind of the goal of so much of at least some of the church background that I experienced, I don't know about what you experienced, it seemed like the goal was purely to get married. Like that was it. Like, what are you doing to get a husband? What are you doing to get a wife? What are you doing? You know, then as soon as you do that, when are you starting the kid? It was like, that was the goal. And then all of a sudden it was like anything, all the other things that might be wrong or lacking or whatever, it's all gonna be fixed, when you get married, it's all going to be fixed when you find that relationship. <laughs> and can we all say from experience, none of it gets fixed <laughs> just because you get into a relationship, right? In fact, all it does is amplify it, 
right? And so, and so we say, hey, here, here's what I hope. Here's what I dream. Here's what I'm imagining. Here's what I want. This is what I always hoped and dreamed it would be like, right? This is the reason I pursued you. This is the reason I walked down the aisle with you because you know, in my mind, this is what the future was going to be like. And I need you to come through for me. Now we don't say those words because just saying those out loud is like, oh, well, already we're like, ooh, that doesn't, doesn't sound right. Maybe I've done that, right? But the challenge is, and the problem is, and the tension in relationships shows up because when we hand somebody our box of dreams and hopes and desires, when we do that to them, it doesn't feel like hope, dreams, and desires. When you hand those to somebody else, here's what it feels like. Expectations. It feels like expectations. A weight. Like the bar has been raised, right? Like you've been giving them a homework assignment or now they've got this extra responsibility that they have to fulfill. And if they don't come through, you will be disappointed in them. That's what those things feel like when you hand them over. And expectations are simply this. They are a strong belief that something is going to happen. And it may not happen now, right? But it'll happen in the future. Isn't it, honey? Isn't it, honey? (laughs) Isn't it, honey? Respond. Yes, it's going to happen in the future. And that's how we approach it, right? You know, maybe this isn't our dream home, but we're working towards our dream home, at least what your idea of a dream home is, right? He He hasn't gotten rid of that yet, but he'll get rid of it, you know, right? She hasn't changed her mind yet, but she'll change her mind. Eventually it's gonna happen. That's the expectation, right? We haven't gotten there yet, but we will, won't we? Honey, (laughs) won't we, right? But the problem is this, is that attempting to avoid or, or, or recreate something from the past, it transforms all of those hopes, dreams, and desires into expectations. And even the best of relationships, even in the best, expectations and reality are going to collide. They're not always going to match up. Right? And even in the best, and inevitably, when we hand our box of hopes and dreams and desires to each other, they have the potential and most of the time will end up becoming burdens to the other person. Now, when these collisions happen, right, there's several ways that we respond. There's kind of four different ways that we tend to respond. Here's the first, we leave. There's a whole lot of people that when expectations and reality collide and they don't match up, you just leave, right? This isn't what I had in mind. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I bargained for. I didn't know it was gonna be like this, right? You didn't tell me or I can't meet your expectation. I'll never be what you want me to be. I can't live up to this, so I'm out of here. Done, right? And you know what happens when you leave? You grab your box of hopes and dreams and desires and you carry it with you into the very next relationship to just hand it to the next person. That's what we do. Here's another way that we respond sometimes. We win, (laughs) right? We win. And for many people in relationships, that's their goal is to win, 
right? In most relationships, there's one personality that tends to be stronger than the other personality. And oftentimes that person powers up when they get into these moments where they collide, right? You power up and they win. And what they do is they leverage the four C's of an unsatisfying dysfunctional relationship. Here's what the four C's are. If you want a terrible relationship, this is the roadmap. You convince, convict, control, and coerce. And when you do those things, you get your way and you win, right? Those are the things that we do. We, we, we convince, hey, I realize this is how you thought it would be, but you're wrong. <laughs> Let me tell you why you're wrong, right? I realize this is how you dealt with conflict in your family growing up. That's not how we're doing it. We're gonna do it this way, right? I know this is what you always dreamed it would be, but I'm sorry, your box is the wrong box. The stuff in mine is the right one, right? This is the rational, the right way to do it. And so here, here, here it is. If you will just do it my way, the person trying to win would say, if you would just do it my way and become more like me and use my methods, you will be happier. Because after all, we know that happiness always, always comes when you abandon who you are to become like somebody else, right? <laughs> that always ends in happiness. So if you abandon everything in your box and you embrace everything in mine, it's gonna work out. That's, that's, the, that's the convince, right? And then we convict, right? Make them feel guilty all the time. You didn't, you didn't live up to what you agreed to. You didn't do it how we discussed. That wasn't the way we said how it would be, right? I don't want to be critical, but that's kind of dumb what you're doing. I mean, that's harsh. But we get there with each other sometimes in relationships, don't we? We get there, right? And we control and we coerce. And at the end of the day, when that is the way, when somebody is trying to win, the winner is happy, the winner's happy. Life's great. They have someone to help them live out their dreams. And they cannot, for the life of them, figure out what's wrong with the other person. But you know, they're coming along. They'll get there. He's doing so much better, don't you think? And we can't figure out. that, like, oh, wow, maybe, maybe, maybe my effort to win is doing something here. And the other person usually in that situation will usually tend to give up on their hopes and dreams and desires and conform to the image of the box of the strong one. Here's another thing we might do. We might just conform, which is the flip side of winning. One person wins, the other conforms. We become someone we are not in order to compensate for someone who won't love us or accept us for who we are. Which that's a difficult thing to admit that you might do in yourself, but we abandon who we are in order to embrace what makes someone else happy, right? What makes someone else happy, regardless of whether or not it works for us, right? And conforming works for a while. It works for a while, right? The temperature in the relationship goes down if you just conform, right? The tension begins to resolve a little bit. 
And as long as they're happy, as long as the other person's happy and things are smooth, I'll just deal with it. I'll just deal with it. I'll conform, right? But at the end of the day, if somebody is giving up who they are and their hopes and dreams and desires, they will lose respect for their partner eventually and their partner will lose respect for them. That's the outcome of just fully compromising or fully conforming. Here's the other one. I jumped ahead. Compromise. We compromise, right? And this is probably the most common of the four whenever it comes to marriages is the compromise, right? Because for many people, they think compromise is the goal, right? Compromise is the goal. This is how you, you know, that's how you win, compromise, right? That's how you stay married, just compromise, right? You got to have a lot of compromise. And perhaps maybe you saw this growing up with your parents, but I'm telling you, if you had uh, parents who just compromise, here's what you saw a lot of growing up. You saw that they weren't unhappy, but they weren't happy either. They just kind of were. That's what compromise does. They just got along. They figured it out. It was as if the goal of the relationship wasn't a full, full of life, full of love, full of energy relationship. It seems like the goal of the relationship was just that there was a relationship until death do us part. <laughs> and so they were in it. And that's what comes out of compromising. And the other thing that happens is that in the marriage where there's compromising, there tends to be a lot of scorekeeping. Making sure, everybody's keeping track. Are they compromising as much as I'm compromising? Are they keeping up their end of the deal? Are they doing what they said that they were supposed to do, right? Keeping track of how many times the other person got their way to make sure there's not too much compromise on one side. We gotta have both, we gotta both be equally like not happy and thrilled with this situation. So we compromise. And listen, there is low levels of trust in a marriage that is defined by compromise, right? And where there is low trust, there is low intimacy because you cannot have intimacy with someone who you are not fully willing to give yourself to. And you will not fully give yourself to someone until you completely trust them. It's like this catch 22. You get in this cycle and you just, well, I don't fully trust. So we can't have intimacy, but you know, there's no intimacy because I'm not trusting, but I can't trust because there's not. And you just, mm, it's in there. And in a compromised relationship, everybody is always a little bit on guard lest they be taken advantage of, right? And the other thing about that is that that will work, but ultimately it will be unfulfilling in the long run, right? And the other thing is this, and this is subtle about a compromised relationship. Uh, A compromised relationship is fueled by a commitment to the wrong thing. Here's what I mean by that. Compromised relationships are actually geared towards and fueled by commitment to the relationship which on the surface sounds like a good thing. You've probably heard somebody say, I'm committed to my marriage. Maybe you've said it. Anybody heard or said that? I'm committed to my marriage. Yeah. None of you have said that. Okay. Well, I've said it. (laughs) I'm committed to my marriage. This is what I'm doing. And that sounds good. But the problem is nobody marries a marriage. 
right? Nobody is engaged to a relationship. Nobody dates a relationship. There's another name in the equation, right? I want my marriage to work. I want my relationship to work. But who is in the middle of that, even saying those things? It's me. I'm committed to my marriage. I want my relationship to work. We still center ourselves within that. Now, don't get me wrong. Being for your marriage is better than being not for your marriage. Don't, okay, I'm not trying to say that. I want you to be for your marriage. Like wanting your marriage to be a good marriage is better than wanting your marriage to be a bad one. Like that's, let's just put that, put that out there, right? But there's something beyond that because there's another face. There's another name. There's another person in the equation besides you. And at the end of the day, a compromised marriage will work, but it will not be fulfilling. Now, there's a fifth option. It isn't just these four. There's a fifth one, right? And we're gonna spend all of next week talking about the fifth option. But for the next few minutes, what I wanna do, and, and, and as I'm going through this and I was doing this, I'm like, okay, I need to lay out kind of this framework. And so um, sometimes you can come to church and you might leave and you might be like, wow, there was so much scripture and we got deep in the word and it was great. This isn't one of those. In fact, you might leave here and you might be thinking like, wait, was that actually a sermon? Did we, how much, did, how much Bible, like, was that the minimal amount you need? Okay, you might feel like that today. Let me set it up like this. Imagine over the next four weeks, it is one big, long sermon. <laughs> and this, I'm setting it all up. And then we're gonna get into all the stuff and all the sermon-y, bible stuff in it. So we walk away today. Don't, don't think I'm not a Christian because I didn't put very much Bible in today. This is the, it's a big, long sermon. I just didn't think you wanted to sit here for two hours and 45 minutes to hear it all at once. So I'm doing this for you. Okay. Anyway, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, the next few minutes. Okay, I want to frame the problem in such a way that helps us understand uh, where we're going to be going and headed over the next few weeks. So, in any relationship, any relationship, expectations create a debt debtor relationship. We've talked about this over the years, this, this idea of a debt-debtor relationship dynamic. Um, in other words, when I put all of my hopes and my dreams and my desires on you. I then live under the assumption that you owe me those things now. It's the natural next step to when I put those things on you, right? We've committed to this marriage and now this is what you owe me. You owe me attention because that's, that's what I hope for in a marriage. You owe me to fully resolve every conflict every time. You, you owe me to make sure I like the way that we handle our finances, that I like the way that we travel, that I like the way we handle our calendar and our scheduling and everything else. You owe me affection, right? You owe me to pay the bills. You owe me to provide or to carry your part. We, we have these expectations and it becomes a you owe me these things situation. And on the flip side, I owe you because you have set your box of hopes and dreams and desires 
on me, right? And it boils down to this. It's this attitude that seeps into marriages that it's like, that is what you're supposed to do. That's like the ground level expectation. That's what you're supposed to do. And then this is a big part of the equation, like the tension. Because let me ask you, how much gratitude do you express to people who just pay what they owe? Not a whole lot because that's what's expected, right? How much gratitude do you show to people who just do what they're supposed to do? Not a whole lot, right? To how much do you express to the person who provides what it is they're supposed to provide? Not much. We don't provide, not in fact, very minimal is the level of gratitude that showed for the things that are expected to be there, right? We rarely, rarely express gratitude for things we've come to expect. Now, here's the tricky part when it comes to being with the same person for a long time. The tricky part is this, is that in every long-term relationship, you fall into a routine. And don't get me wrong, routines are fine. You need routines, right? But you fall into these routines. But when you come to expect things from someone that they've always done, then the gratitude for those things is going to be minimal. You're not going to express it, which communicates to them when they're doing things, which communicates to them, I expect these things from you, right? I'm not going to thank you that you did it, but I will remind you when you don't. That's what happens when we fall into those routines and those things just become expectations, right? And here's what gratitude is. And here's something you can start implementing in any of your relationships today, right? Gratitude is, I didn't expect that and I am grateful for it. And I'm telling you, there are few things that will supercharge a relationship quicker than beginning to express gratitude for the things that maybe have become common that you've come to expect. Because gratitude is an indication that I have not filled up a box of expectations and then set those down on top of you for you to carry. And the other thing about this debt-debtor dynamic thing is that it is so insidious, right? It's so, you don't realize that it's happening. You just wake up one day and you just feel like something's wrong. Something is off balance in the relationship. It's not working right. And the debt-debtor relationship, it eliminates, here's why, it eliminates the possibility of unconditional love. Because if you owe me, you can't fully love me, right? In fact, owing eliminates loving me. Like if I, if it's Valentine's day and I owe you flowers <laughs> and you're like, well, where's my flower? And I come and I'm like, hey, I got the flowers and I hand over the flowers. Then it's like, oh, okay, well, we're back to zero now because you owed me that, because that was an expectation. It's my birthday, where's my card and gift? Oh yeah, 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 I got the card and gift, here you go. Great, we're back to zero now, because you owed me. Christmas, where's my gift? Great, 
back to zero. That's what it does. If I owe you, I can't love you because love requires margins. Love requires space. It does not do well in an environment of expectation. It does it. In an environment of expectation, it is nearly impossible to recognize love. Nearly impossible, right? In fact, expectations remove the margins that are necessary for love to be recognized and appreciated in a relationship. And the longer you're together, the more difficult it is to avoid this dynamic from creeping in, right? And you can't even see when it's happening. Why? Because it's what I expected. What you're doing is what I'm used to. It's what she always does. It's what he always does. It's what couples are supposed to do. Right, and they're, they're just meeting the requirement. So if they're just meeting a requirement, why should I be expected to be overwhelmed with gratitude for a requirement being met, right? And you have eliminated the potential for love to be expressed or, re- or recognized. That, that's why. That is why uh, a box of expectations that we put upon people undermine intimacy in a relationship because those things end up feeling like pressure every day of the week. So all of this begs the question, right? That begs the question, what should we then do with our hopes and our dreams and our desires, right? Do we just pretend? Oh, well, that's okay. I never wanted kids, you know? I don't care how we spend our time. I don't care. I don't care what our house is like. We don't even need to live indoors. It's good. <laughs> you know, is that, is that how you do it? You know, what, uh, you know, we don't need to ever leave city limits. I'm fine not traveling anywhere. I don't care what I drive. I'll do all the work. That's fine. Who needs money? Love will keep us alive. Like, <laughs> is, that, is that what's expected, Right. You know, what do you do with your hopes, dreams, and desires? Ignore them? No. No. Deny them? No. No. Many of you have spent years filling up your box of hopes and dreams and desires. And most of those are probably really good things. Right? They're probably really good. In fact, some of the things that we have in that box are as a result of us being um, bearers of the image of God. There are good things in the box, but what do we do? Pretend, hide, ignore, right? The short answer is, here's the, here's the short answer, and we'll, we'll get into all of this. Short answer is, you keep your hopes, dreams, and desires in the box, all right? Which leads to the next question. Well, how do you do that? How does that work, right? How do I keep this stuff in here instead of just handing it to the person and setting it on them uh, as this weight, right? This person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And the short answer to that question is, follow me here, the correct answer to this next question. (laughs) So if you like the series of questions rabbit hole, we're going down it, right? But I got to warn you, this next question that that you're going to have to confront, um, you're not going to like it. And you're not going to like this question. It's going to bother you because you know the answer. You know the answer to this question. 
And, and this is not intuitive. And this may make, thinking about this and putting this idea out there may make you wanna run for the hills. But listen, this is a game changer. And certainly I did not come up with this. But the best way to keep your hopes and dreams and desires from becoming expectations that are a weight on the person that you love and wanna spend your life with is to ask yourself this question. What do they owe you? In the relationship, what do they owe you? And I promise you this, every single happy couple out there knows that the answer to this question is nothing. They don't owe me anything. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything, but are owed nothing in return, which makes no sense. That idea is so ridiculous that it doesn't make any sense. But let me tell you, let me tell you about happy couples that you know. They are able to go through hard times, difficult times, yet they are still happy and it makes no sense, right? They aren't the most talented. They're not the most wealthy. They don't, they're not the coolest. They're not, but, but they're happy. And it doesn't seem to make sense, right? They have a lot of kids or they have no kids. Either way, they're happy and it makes no sense, right? And there's something about happy couples that is always a mystery. As you look at it and you try and figure out how are they doing this? How does it work? And I'm telling you what part of the mystery in that equation is. They live un, under the assumption every day that they owe the other person everything, but that person owes them nothing. Now, as Christians, as Christians, we're supposed to take our cue from Jesus, right? Like he's, he's the one right? And we should take our cue from Jesus's all-encompassing, this is the most important command, right? The one where Jesus boils the 600 plus commands down to just one. The command that as a member of tapestry, you're probably sick of me talking about. But guess what? Right before he left, Jesus said, forget all the rest. This is the most important. And so as long as you're a member of Tapestry and spend time with us, I will talk about this. Jesus tells us, you are to love one another the way that I loved you. And then the apostle Paul comes along and he's all in his writing, right? And he takes this command of Jesus, the singular, this is the thing you're supposed to do. And here's what he wrote to all Christians everywhere. In Ephesians, he writes this, and walk in the way of love. Walk in the way, of, to which the way he phrases that, and you know, the, okay, we think, oh man, feel like we're getting ready to bust out in a love song. You know, I think of the person that I'm Twitter pated with, you know, I know that's not a word anybody uses. Bambi, if anybody remembers. Yeah. yeah. Nothing? No, I use that one. Oh, nice. I do too. Nobody gets that. Yeah. 
walk in the ways of love. Oh, that is great, right? But Paul says, no, 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 wait, let me finish. Let me finish. I got more. And throughout Paul's teachings, you see two words together on a really regular basis. Because as followers of Jesus, in every relationship, we take our cue from our Savior. So walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. And then look at what he did. He clarifies what that looks like and gave himself up for us. And happy couples take this idea and they drop it right into the center of their relationship. And when they do, here's what happens. Their relationship from the outside, if you were to just look at it, begins to look like some sort of submission competition, right? A race to the back of the line, right? Which sounds miserable, which is why so few people actually try it. But those who do try it, love it. And that is at the base of what every happy couple knows in their relationship. Now we're gonna pick that idea up and talk about it next week, but here here are two assignments. Not assignments, questions that you just need to think about and answer as you think about it through the week and get ready for us to really dive a little deeper into this whole marriage thing. First is this, what is in my box of hopes, dreams, and desires? What is it that's in there? One of the reasons that we tend to accidentally apply pressure to the person that we love is that we're not clear about that right? It's kind of a fog and they're never quite sure what they're supposed to do. Never quite clear on the expectations. They're just trying to figure it out and judge from your reactions, right? And so you need to really figure it out. What is it? What are my hopes, desires, and dreams? And maybe write those things down. And then here's the second question that you need to wrestle with for next week. Am I expecting someone to carry that box of stuff for me? Have you handed that off? Is someone you love feeling the burden of the expectations of your hopes, desires, and dreams? So spend a week wrestling with those two questions and then join us next week as we look at the fifth option of how to respond when our desires and hopes and dreams don't match up to reality and there's a collision. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. Uh, first of all, for, for the gift that is relationship. Now granted, sometimes it doesn't feel like a gift. But my goodness, is it ever. And Lord, I thank you that you have created us in a way that we can share our lives with another person and find fulfillment and security and happiness in those relationships. And thank you that you have given us instructions and guides and hints and clues and directions 
as to how to make these relationships the best that they can possibly be. So Lord, I pray this week as we wrestle with some of these questions, Lord, begin to bring to the front of our minds what are the expectations that, that to us feel are just hopes and desires and dreams, but to the other person may feel like a weight of expectation. What are those things? Help us to clarify them so that as we move forward, we can begin to handle those things appropriately and have a more fulfilling and happy relationship. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us to kick off this series. Look into next week uh, as we dig deeper into this uh, idea of relationships and marriage. Have a great week. It's a